millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I got into a relationship as a teenager with someone a few years older than me. And we were together for seven years. He knew at that time that I had no financial acumen. And he used that to his advantage to not only drive me into debt for his gain, but it allowed him to have control over everything I did. He would buy me things as gifts, then claim later I owed him, so I was constantly in debt to him. He was very manipulative, but came across as a dream guy to anyone else who met him. He also knew all my banking passwords and would monitor every purchase. If I changed them, things got ugly. If I wanted to treat myself, I'd withdraw cash so he couldn't see what I bought, but then he'd question the cash withdrawal. He was earning $120,000 a year in IT, and I was a part-time waitress at uni. In the end, when we broke up, he had fabricated proof of all the money I owed him. Being an IT expert, it looked absolutely real, to the point he threatened legal action for the money, and I had to borrow $8,000 off my dad to settle my supposed debt. He also kept my damn dog. Two years later, I've just paid back my dad finally, and now working on my credit cards and personal loan I had to take out when I left him, as I had nothing. The warning signs for me. When we first moved in together, he created a complex spreadsheet to divvy up all our expenses and purchases, and would incessantly put every tiny little item, Friday night pizza, 20 bucks, the bottle of water he paid for, into it, and insist that this was the fair and easy way to do it. He always talked about wanting more money, how he wanted to ask for a pay rise, but how he would always look after me and that I didn't need to earn much and just focus on my studies. From Anonymous M3 Listener. Welcome to My Millennial Money, Australia and the world, worldwide. This is Glenn James and... John Pigeon. And... We worldwide. Yeah. We've got uh, people that listen all over the place. Wow. So, welcome to My Millennial Money if you're joining us from Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Denmark, Germany, USA, Canada, France. You're everywhere. Iceland. Iceland. I just want to start by saying a special shout out to our show partner, Sun Super. Sun Super have got behind My Millennial Money to help us bring the show to you to keep it going. And did you know, John, Sun Super has been the fastest growing top 10 fund in the country by assets for the last three years. They've got 1.4 million members and $70 billion worth of funds under management. So, what we're saying is... It ain't no kid's birthday party. Big deal. They're a big deal. And, you know, the top 10 fund in the country. There are hundreds of super funds, John. Hundreds. Amazing. So, if you're in the top 10 anything in the country, in yeah. the world, like, you're actually good. Like, it's simple as that. Like You're in if, the top 10? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. For what? Four or four? 
don't know. Anything? Yeah. I'm Sun Super. They're in the top 10, so am I for Super. I've got to... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you to Sun Super for getting behind My Millennial Money. And remember, yep, thanks, if you guys. are in the stages of reviewing your superannuation, throw them in the mix. Keep them in mind. Keep them in mind. They're good people. In today's episode, Glenn and John will be talking about abuse, and not the usual abuse that Glenn slings at John every day. We're talking about financial abuse with Amanda Kasser. In 2019, Amanda made the financial standards list of the top 50 influential financial advisors in Australia. She's helped many victims of financial abuse and is currently rolling out an international certification for financial advisors to become safe hands advisors to assist those who have been through financial abuse. She helps people recognize the signs of abuse and understands what forms it can take and where to turn to for assistance. Amanda will give examples and share case studies to prove that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Amanda has also talked on international stages to thousands about money, and today she's with us from the Gold Coast. Amanda Kassa, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks. Amanda, you've got quite a bit of experience in, I guess, financial abuse, just tell us a little bit about your background because then I want to swing back around and chat about the opening clip that we heard from one of our listeners. Sure. So I was uh, fulfilling one of those lifelong dreams and writing a book not that long ago and one of the ladies I interviewed in the book shared her story with me. So this was a beautiful savvy, smart, amazing woman who was an award-winning investigative journalist uh, who went into a relationship, marriage, and she had property and money at the start of this relationship. And by the time she managed to flee with her daughter, she had nothing. She'd been skimming grocery money to put onto Woolies Uh, grocery cards so that when she left she would be able to couch surf and afford groceries for a little while for her daughter and her until she could get some Centrelink assistance and get back on her feet and for someone like me who's very super ordinary married forever um you know great relationship this was just so outside anything that I knew that it really piqued my interest and um it's become a bit of a, a hobby I suppose of mine to find out you know I was like surely this doesn't happen that often and the more people I asked about it the more went oh yeah I know someone that happened to and speaking to my regional manager um in financial services, her case nearly blew my mind. Her husband had um, also financially abused her for years and it ended in a murder attempt on her boat. So the more I discovered, the more I was just sort of pulled in and went, look, we've got to look, have this responsibility to help uncover this and shout out the word and help people who are even suffering from it realise it because not everyone in a situation actually even realises they're being financially abused. So it's, it's an amazing space. Yeah, wow. And it's great that you're starting to really highlight this in the community and it's great that we can have this discussion about it and just make people aware. And I guess I recently last year listened to the podcast Who the Hell is Hamish? And I mean, that was, if you haven't listened to that podcast, everybody, you must listen to it because it's just unbelievable. I guess that was 11 out of 10 fraudster, like total in and out. It wasn't, I don't think that was the traditional financial abuse that might be the sleeper 
in well, relationships. Well, John's another one as well where Eric Banner played the role. So it's, it's certainly oh, getting more mainstream. Great. Oh, he was creepy, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was a little too good. Yeah. But I guess what would you say the definition of financial abuse is if you could give it a definition? Well, Wikipedia actually has a definition and basically they, they call it a form Must of be abuse. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try and paraphrase. It's not terribly interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Where one intimate partner has control over the other partner's access to economic resources, which diminishes their capacity to support themselves and forces them to depend on the perpetrator. So sadly, 99% of domestic violence cases also um, are victims of financial abuse. A study was done wow. in the US to conf- Well, it's the easiest form of control. So that's, mm, that's yeah. why it's so prevalent. So, Amanda, yeah. w- when I listen to that, I, I, and this isn't a comparison but just a reference, mental illness is not often spoken about. I mean, that's improving, but there's still people that don't talk about it. Is, is, uh, if someone realises they're getting financially abused, are they also not as reluctant to talk about it through shame? Absolutely, because one of the ways of doing the financial abuse is also emotional control. There's denigration, uh, you're no good with money, you know, let me do it, you'll, you'll never be any good, you can't save, you don't know what you're doing. So often there's also, you know, a wearing down of the spirit, for want of a better word, where people yeah. do feel shamed or embarrassed or maybe he's right, you, you know, yeah. when it's highlighted every time I make an error, oh, my God, maybe he really is right or she. Uh, so, you know, there's absolutely an emotional toll that it takes. So that first sound bite that we did here at the very start, I think that was quite compelling. So the our listener, she said she, she did have limited financial knowledge. He had more income and more financial knowledge. I mean, when you listen to that, what do you think? Because I just think, you know, the control of banking passwords and monitoring banking transactions. He was over the top. He was a micromanager. He spun her crap all day long, which to her may not have, you know, you don't know what you don't know. If, if that was her first ever relationship that was serious, there's a risk that she could have thought that was the norm. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, can you speak to that first kind of listener and her experience and what would you say to someone who is in that situation perhaps? Sure. Well, firstly, from the research I've done, it does seem that there is um, a general trend of a personality type that likes to do the control and have people in their thrall and it's mostly a very narcissistic personality type so nobody goes into relationships with an asshole, for want of a better word I mean these people are quite charming you know you, you don't fall in love with a guy who you want to control your bank accounts so you know, uh, ask they... Amy Pigeon what she thinks of John <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing a check on myself as I listen to you Amanda yeah John's got his checklist like asshole check <laughs> <laughs> Tick. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, there's, 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 you know, they all fall in love with this charismatic, wonderful man, and it starts slowly over time. So there's this gradualism where it sneaks up on you, until maybe one day someone turns around and goes, 
hey, hun, that's not right. Why is he doing this or why is he doing that? And by then you're so far along, you've squashed all those little red flags and those things that are coming up going, oh, that's a bit weird, that's a bit weird. Oh, maybe that's our normal, um, you know, because every couple runs things differently. So it's mm. – and and we do often squash that intuition when we should be going, wait a second, I'm not comfortable with this. And, you know, we don't often even set those boundaries at the start of a relationship. What did your parents mm. think about money? How do, how was I raised with money? Are you a saver? Are you a spender? Those things, you know, we don't talk about until well down the track. If I can just ask a comment on this issue, like if we look at physical abuse, if there's a spectrum of abuse in a relationship, so if it's physical abuse at one far spectrum... The other side might be emotional abuse. Yep. Is financial abuse just to the right of emotional abuse? Or uh, do, are you seeing with these families that you're dealing with and the people that are trapped that there is a combination of all things or is it actually different in every single case? Look, the emotional abuse is part of it because to do the control, you want to be emotionally controlling over the person. In all domestic violence cases, pretty much there is an effort, um, an element of control, whether that's physical, emotional, uh, financial. So there's always that. Sometimes the financial abuse can be almost standalone with the emotional abuse. But unfortunately, the few cases that I've seen, when they escalate they escalate horrifically. And you may remember in Queensland there was the uh, very prominent murder of Alison Baden-Clay by her husband mm. with the three children and financial abuse played a massive role in that particular case. She had not been allowed to work for many years. She had to hand over the credit cards. Her parents said that they noticed that her shoes were worn out. She wasn't allowed to buy herself anything. And I think her daughters were all at school and she decided she wanted to get back into real estate and that may have been one of the things that flipped his switch, that she would go back to having her own money and he couldn't handle that. So when when it escalates, it can escalate very quickly. So it's it's it depends on the person and the perpetrator. So what is it? Is it come from their childhood? Like what drives a person to, to be like that? Obviously there's the emotional control and... And having that control element to the to the personality, but is it something that they did or didn't experience growing up? Oh gosh, if I could answer that, I'd probably be on Oprah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'm not a trained psychologist. Shout out Oprah. Oprah is a listener of the pod- <laughs> Oprah listens to the podcast, so shout out Oprah. Shout out Oprah. Yeah. Well, especially when she knew I was coming on as a guest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'd love to be able to answer that, John. I, I don't know for sure what causes people to behave that way why they need to assert control over another human being it's it's not something i'm aware of whether it's genetically wired into them or it's a choice yeah it's because you know like because <laughs> you hear about physical abuse and and in a lot of cases they've personally been physically abused growing up so they yes. repeat that um, procedure when they're adult like but as a kid it's hard, well, maybe you can get financial abuse as a child when you don't get your pocket money, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what if, if there's a trigger, perhaps, yeah, going without or, you know, these deep-seated psychological things that cause us to do the things we do, uh, some of them are a little mm. bit beyond me. And I would say if, you know, 
we were talking about, you mentioned something before with the Baden Clay case, Amanda, and you said she uh, wasn't allowed to buy shoes, for example, okay? If you're listening, whether you're male or female out there, on this planet, you're allowed to do whatever you want as long as you're not breaking the law. So I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you are starting to feel that you're not allowed to do things in your relationship, uh, I would definitely find a trusted friend and just have a conversation. And it's, and I just want to touch on one other thing from that first clip. So I wrote some notes down. Like this guy, he was a controlling scumbag, okay? When we listen to that. And he was, you know, treated her like a princess and treated her like this There's and that, the right? get you in, yep. Yep. Now, one thing that I would say that jumped out to me, I wonder, and the answer's probably no, is that person generous to other people? Do they have a generous spirit to others or is it just to you? And uh, for quite, me, that would be a warning yeah, sign. Quite often there is the street angel home devil. Everyone else thinks they're wonderful. Yes, there is an element of that. I've got three kids like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, so what you're saying, okay, so I guess what I'm thinking as a, I hear, definitely hear what you're saying, street angel home devil, but if you're with your partner and he or she treats you like whatever, amazing and wants to spoil you and if you're with that partner and an opportunity comes up in your home to discuss maybe giving to a charity or supporting a local cause or making a meal for a family in need and that partner there's a disconnect between how they treat you and how they treat others between you two does that make sense yeah it does and i think again that would be a very individual answer to that there wouldn't be just a blanket Yes, he's lovely yeah, to yeah. be and awful to everyone. And, yeah, that would be a hard one to, to be able to call yeah, sure. in each case. What, what's the – it may be called financial self-abuse. I've seen situations where someone isn't the breadwinner of the family so feels as though they're, they're not comfortable spending the family money even though the main breadwinner is fully endorsing of it, they still don't feel comfortable spending it as comfortably as maybe the breadwinner. You talk about that briefly. Yeah, look, there is an element and of that, and I've also seen the complete opposite where, you know, a fly-in, fly-out minor handed all his income over to his partner who put him on strict rations and said she needed all the money for the family and their expenses. So it can sort of go from one end to the other. Yeah. But I think as a couple you need to have the joint goals and say, look, these are the things we're working for, and then what's left, you know, what can we do with that? Is Do I, do I, you know, if you're not a breadwinner, do you have an allowance, for want of a better word, or a stipend, you know, that you, you can buy a dress? Or, And unfortunately in Australia there's something horrific that's called period poverty where a partner denies his female partner or her female partner access to um, sanitary items during their period so that they have to stay at home and this is an actual wow. thing as a form of control so wow. it's horrific that there's even an expression for it um but it it is out there and you know these women have to resort to you know toilet paper or staying at home the whole time you touched on the fifo flying fly out so yes. if it was an example of a man he was flying in flung out 
and he's having some financial abuse, for example, I got a, a message from a listener who may have been from an ethnic background or I actually don't know, it could be Islamic or middle, I don't know, uh, but he said, Glenn, I'd like to hear more about men who are financially abused. It's yes. common practice in ethnic families that they raise princesses that get whatever they want from daddy. In later life, these now grown-up queens often expect men in their lives to do the same. He's seen it and lived it. Yeah, well, this was a mixed-race marriage as well. Oh, right, mm. He right. had brought her over from an Asian country. Um, all he, he was just your typical Aussie knockabout bloke, wanted to come home at the end of the week, play with the kids, have a beer. She took care of everything because he earned the money. Um, he actually, until they split up, had no idea that he was being financially abused and that she had skimmed off tens of thousands of dollars into another account. She also would physically beat him and tell him he was useless and um, not allowed to spend money. Um, she'd belt him with stuff in the toilet, um, like the uh, the towel racks. <laughs> so oh, wow. he just sort of thought, oh, maybe that's what this culture does. So until he spoke with a lawyer and, and it all sort of went pear-shaped, he didn't know that he was in a financial abuse situation. So, so where where does all this end up? Like I was reading something the other day, I forget the term of it, where the partner who is being financially abused walks out to the to the point where they walk out with the the clothes on their back, and that's about all. And and they're basically starting their life from scratch again financially at age forty five, fifty five, whatever the age may may be. Is that the common scenario, or obviously there's worse than that, but Absolutely. Look, the highest rate of homelessness growing in this country is women over 55, and a lot of them are living in their cars and some of them with their children as well. So, you know, hubby has the cliche affair with the secretary, changes the locks, and she's got nothing because, you know, she's... And it's also very generational that these women had given up their careers to stay at home and and bring up the children and support them. They haven't worked in a long time, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're thrown back onto the workforce. There was one case up here in Brisbane where um, an accountant, he was 80 and he'd still loved his work. So he'd fly down to Sydney, do his job and come back home again. Wife, children, grandchildren in Queensland had a medical emergency interstate. The wife turned up at hospital to visit him after his heart attack and found his second partner and child in the room with him that he'd been visiting in Sydney all along. So this 80-year-old woman who had never worked a day in her life didn't know about the second family. She said, look, I never wanted for anything. How could I be abused? There was always money available. There was cash. She didn't have a clue where the bank accounts were. She had no access to funds if something happened to him, no knowledge of passwords. So again, she didn't know she was being financially abused because she was taken care of. So it's it can be a really subtle thing. A question on that, Amanda. Like, So for me, when I teach money, budgeting and whatnot... I'm I'm not in a partnered relationship that we're sharing money and I don't live with a partner or wife or whatever, okay? But from, I guess, a public Does that policy, make you the smart one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm abusing myself. <laughs> I don't want to know about that. <laughs> I, I, from a public policy, I always teach to share bank accounts, okay? Now, and I don't know if it's just that extra layer of accountability. We're all on the same team. 
you know, I often say it's like you can have my, you can have my life, you can have my children, we can share beds and all that, but you just can't have my money. Like, so I guess from a public policy thing, like I say, say I don't have a credit card anymore. I don't think anyone should have a credit card. So that's just my public policy statement. There can be exceptions where people can do it. I just think there's sharing bank account. It just would enable partners to discuss money together. And look, maybe there's less chance. I don't know what your view is. Yeah, look, I, I completely agree and I completely disagree, which probably makes no sense. But I think maintaining some independence, if you're both working, both have your own set bank accounts, um, maintain independence so that you are never in a situation where if you have to walk out, you've got 20 bucks in the bank. Yes, also have a separate joint bank account and work out, look, what what does it cost me to breathe each week? That's your budgeting that you're probably talking about. And are you splitting things 50-50? Is it 60-40? Is it whatever works in your situation? Your joint bank account should be, we both contribute into that joint bank account and that covers our joint family expenses. Absolutely. I think it's very difficult if I'll pay the mortgage out of my account and you pay the utilities out of that account. It's very difficult to... Yeah, those type of practicalities, yeah, I think it's hard to manage. Yeah, a joint bank account for your joint... Um, expenses to meet your goals. Look, if there's something left over at the end, do you take a family holiday? Do you throw it against joint debt? That's the personal decisions. But I think you, despite the joint bank account, you still need to maintain some form of independence because you just don't know if you'll ever need it. Yeah. So even like, so for you, Pidge, like you and Amy are happy and mm. everything's going well. <laughs> now like at what point does a happily married couple or happily married partnership or happily whatever together people Mm. go okay well we've got this we're both going to have an escape account with five grand in each and we forget about it i don't know like at what point do you yeah it's really interesting subject and i'm intrigued by it because uh I mean, it might be just me, but I'm very trustworthy. So, and, and so is Amy. And we've just got this transparency where we don't need separate bank accounts. We we come and go as we need to, and and we communicate on most financial decisions, other than when I'm buying a bike to train with or something like that. But <laughs> um, I just. Um, like I've heard of people who have prenups that, to get their financial situation clarified before they go into the relationship and, and for me that doesn't sit well because I think it sets off on the wrong course but that's just me. I just wonder where all this starts from and does it is it always been bubbling underneath the surface and and the other person doesn't realise or has it been happening all along or what what's... I'm just confused. Yeah, look, look, financial abuse doesn't obviously happen in every relationship. Um, I've been married for 25 years. After about 17, we decided, look, why don't we get our own bank accounts and still have the joint bank account? So we changed up our situation as we went. Um, I considered at that stage, after 17 years marriage, do we do a binding financial agreement? Um, we decided not to. We, you know, we've still got the kids we've been married 25 years now it's not an issue but binding financial agreements are probably more relevant when people have been in previous relationships 
and they're going into new relationships and there may be a, a disparity of assets. Someone may come in very wealthy and have children to a, a former partner and they you know, this, this new partner might be in their life one or two years. Look at the Paul McCartney case, you know, cleaned out completely by a woman who had no input at all into his entire career as the Beatles and walks away with billions of dollars. So a binding financial agreement in those situations makes a heck of a lot of sense. Sorry, Amanda, surely that's the, the court system, not, not, um, not Paul's fault. Like the court system should have thrown that out. Yeah, it should, but he also could have, for you know, five or ten thousand dollars, put together a legal agreement that would be the guidelines that you both agreed on. That, you know, he could have said, "Look, I'll, you know, we'll walk away after this many years. Here's a payout." But look, was she entitled to billions of dollars? I think most of us will say that's not going to pass any pub test. So, <laughs> so you and your husband, you yes. midstream in your relationship, yep. and you're just like, well, I've seen too much crap. And I guess people could maybe have weird mental illnesses and snap and not know it and start to, I don't know, but you both decided to mix it up. Yeah, my my grandmother had said to me very early in the piece, so we're talking, um, you know, pre-war baby here, that she felt it was very important to men, for men to have their money and a form of independence. And, I mean, we combined bank accounts when we were 18 years old before we even got married. So it was it was just never an issue for us. We're going to be together forever. We had separated for a while, just going through some issues, mostly me trying to sort my shit out at <laughs> mid-30 crisis. <laughs> and I just said, look, why don't we... We still have an account that he has complete access to my account if, you know, I actually don't have access to his, but, you know, there's an absolute generosity if I needed something, um, you know, happy to pitch in. Sadly, we lost our um, beautiful pussycat this week. I didn't have the money in the joint account, completely broke my heart. He said, look, go sit in the car, I'll sort this out. So, you know, there's, there's no issues financially between us. But again, it's probably not something many people talk about. What are the ground rules at the start? What did your parents believe about money? You know, did you hear the cliches, money doesn't grow on trees? What sort of messages did your family teach you and maybe the person you're going into a relationship has completely different views on money so those yeah. sort of things are really important that's a good segue let's have a listen to this other listener and i'll play this right now so i was dating this girl when i was around 17 she was 22 we both met working at jb hi-fi i was in sales um so i earned a little bit more than her and she was on the floor she always made out that she was super poor, poor, which I understood. So I always helped out with rent, food, shopping, take her out, stuff like that. Um, I hadn't really had a girlfriend before, so I just thought that was the norm for a guy to pay for pretty much everything. That's kind of the way that um, I guess I I saw in TV shows and movies, so I just thought that was normal. After a year of dating, I paid for something and asked her to pay me back. Um, and she was cool that she was like, oh, yeah, just grab my banking details and log on to my bank, blah, blah, blah. I um I went on there and she had 20k saved and I was like, yo, what like what's going on? Um and she said, oh well, I just saved all this money from um from you buying me things and I was like, well, okay, that's not cool. Um, look, the relationship didn't didn't go much further than that, but that would be a pretty prime example for me. So for me, Amanda, that one was very interesting. I don't know if you thought the same, John. Like he was 17, she was 22. I just think she was a tight ass and it wasn't financial abuse. Uh, (laughs) And it goes back to like her growing up, 
maybe she's had something. Well, if someone else pays, I don't have to. I can just save my money. And it ended up, yeah. it ended up ending the relationship. And yeah. I'm not for a minute saying that I'm di- like, I don't know. I've heard a one minute clip and it just sounds to me like it wasn't abuse. She was just a tight ass. Yeah. I, I made two observations of that. One was if the relationship was was going to stand the test of time, they would have got through something like that and, and maybe changed their ways and, and man, managed expectations. And second, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't her fault, as you mentioned, it was more a case of her experiences growing up. Maybe dad was a tight ass and she learned to be one and, and that was just normal for her. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, like if, yeah, if I don't have to pay, I won't, I'll save my money, this is fun. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, know, it just right. didn't seem there was any malice from her end. What do you think, Amanda? Well, I don't think she would have let him access and see the bank account if she had thought it would be a big deal and he had agreed to pay for these things. But again, it's communication and setting expectations. He was happy to pay all that time until he realised she'd been stashing and then she's like, well, <laughs> you paid for everything I stashed. So um, it is. It's yeah, it was for us. <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. would have been. Yeah, but that specific case there, you wouldn't see that under the definition of financial abuse in a general dictionary. I think we'd need a bit more information to make that that call, yeah. So, Amanda, what are some of the warning signs? If you could bullet point it down, what would you say some of the warning signs are? And what could we do if we see friends in that situation? So... One, what are the warning signs when I'm looking at my friends' relationships? And two, if I'm in a relationship, what are some of the warning signs to look out for? Okay, so some of the big red flags can be that your partner is limiting your employment options or forbidding sort of career choices. The lady I mentioned at the very beginning who was the investigative journalist, he ended up giving her an ultimatum saying, stop mucking around in the media, I want you to get a job at Woolies. And when her daughter heard that, she burst into tears and said, Mummy, that's not you. So uh, forbidding also of study or the ability to better yourself through career advancement, um, withholding funds or only providing a meagre allowance, withholding basic living resources, including food, medication, like I mentioned earlier, the period poverty. There's extreme monitoring of purchases where you have to come back, show the receipts, um, account checking, giving up the passwords. The breadwinner may threaten to cut money off or financial support to the family or leave if you don't um, do the things that they ask, meet their demands. Perhaps you find that money or assets have been hidden from you. Maybe you've been forbidden to have your own bank account, personal funds or make choices. Like we said, you know, you can't buy the shoes. Perhaps even running up debts in your name or having you sign loan agreements um, you feel pressured into taking out things you don't want. Uh, Look, there can be everything from filing fraudulent insurance claims, forging signatures on documents, forcing members to change wills, powers of attorney, And then also there's the um, part of the larger abusive pattern that can be domestic violence, physical and emotional, neglect, stalking, um, 
chasing the family members. So it's it's a huge lot of litany of lists um, mm. that actually. So so buying a um, buying a. F- Investment property without telling your wife is that financial abuse? It would be dependent on her rela- uh, relationship with you and her uh, response to whether that was appropriate. No. And look, for some couples, that would be a completely normal thing. It's like, well, you've got your money, yeah. what you do with it's fine as long as you know our joint goals are met. Whereas other couples, it'd be like that'd be cause for divorce. So it's completely dependent. Yeah on your own relationship. Other factors, you know, include being isolated um, from your friends or family. Uh, People with disabilities are also more often likely to be abused. Um, A limited understanding or education in financial matters, um, like we heard earlier with Jess said she didn't really know much. Uh, If English is your second language and you're in an English-speaking country or a minority community, and then your next question was what to do, wasn't it? You touched on one thing there, which I think is so important for anyone where possible. And for me, that is the isolation thing. Make sure you've got life-giving friends. Absolutely. Make sure that if you find a boyfriend or girlfriend, make sure you don't make them your world because isolation so many cases that you read people were in these um codependent weird yes. relationships and, and slowly the friends the, disappear the families cut off yeah and yeah. they ve- become very dependent which is one of the emotional abuse yeah i tell you one thing that i think is crazy just to look in from the outside and i don't know any of the details only what we're fed in the media harry and megan what's happened there his relationship with his brother has deteriorated and he said that publicly, yeah. At the time of recording this, uh, she said that they're not having Christmas together. She's just having him and her. I mean, he's not going to see his grandmother at Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, it's wow. just weird that they're having their own separate thing. And, yeah, I don't know. Look, just some weird families to like to set their own traditions. Look, the royal family's probably had traditions for hundreds of years. So it would be very strange for, you know, these these new fangled ideas to come in. But again, it's it's a, it's a family decision and, and that's a hard one to, I suppose, judge people on, on what they want to do. It's just weird that his relationship with his brother's broken down, you know, over the last couple of years, as long as he's known her, like... I don't know. Yeah, and as you said, we don't know the, the full gamut of the story, but the the financial education is an obvious one, isn't it? But it's so, sorely missed in a lot of adults still to this day where they don't have enough confidence and knowledge around that subject. So they're, they're I suppose they're blindfolded a little bit. Yeah, I think it's also good to contrast, look, what does a healthy financial relationship look like so that you've got the... Um, comparison. So a healthy couple financially, you know, both have access to financial paperwork, even if one person still is the one who takes the lead in paying the bills and managing finances. That's very normal. Both are keenly aware of their different values and management approaches to money. They recognise and respect each other's views and still make decisions equally, regardless of, you know, who makes the most money. Uh, Both of them have access to funds without having to ask permission from the other person or hide purchases. And look, bigger financial decisions, maybe like your investment property, John, they're made jointly. You work together to your financial goals. And look, if something happens to one of 
the partners both know or have access to, you know, where the accounts are. They can find the family finances. So that that would be a fairly healthy-looking relationship. So if yours, you know, isn't quite there, you know, do a bit of a stock take. So, Amanda, if, I, uh, if I'm hanging out with John and Amy or I start to see these signs, so my friend John, he's... I have reason to suspect that he might be having some financial abuse from Amy. Yes. <laughs> Which is bizarre because she's, it'd be just a total this character is, weird thing. But This is real, folks. <laughs> this is real. This is real as it gets. <laughs> so, yeah, don't listen to this episode, Amy. Uh, what, do, what do I do as a friend if I see these signs? Yeah, is if you feel he's being abused, look, one of the first things to do is obviously take that conversation privately with him. And... I know counsellors have a lovely formula that they use in broaching things with someone and it's I feel when because. So the formula might be, John, I feel that, you know, you're being put upon financially or whatever, however you'd like to word that. When I see Amy taking the credit card or not letting you pay for coffee and that makes me feel sad. Or, you know, I feel when because. So it's not threatening. It's not going, man, that chick's, you know, she's got it all over you, you're under the thumb. So you're not on the attack. You're talking about your own feelings. So I think that's probably a good way of, of broaching it or saying, you know, I was uncomfortable when this particular incident happened. So it's it's a fairly non-threatening way of raising your observations and letting the person respond is that quite fraught with danger in some sense when you're trying to give a recommendation to a friend who's involved in a relationship that's emotional, emotionally wrapped to, to come off second best because you've, you've brought that topic up? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's high stakes. Yeah, it's high stakes. Yeah, and that, I, 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 would, I would absolutely go down that path, but that's one thing you potentially risk, right? Yeah, and look, the girlfriend I mentioned at the start who was the journalist, it, a girlfriend of her was covering hers, was covering the Baden Clay case at the time, and she was texting her saying, this guy is textbook, your husband, you have to get out now. I mean, that's a very brave call to say that your partner is mirroring the behaviour of a suspected murderer, and but it was just the push she need to go, oh, shit, how do I get out of this? So it was because a mm. girlfriend gave her that nudge. And, look, if it ends the friendship, that's a sad thing, but would you sleep at night if you knew it was going on and you didn't say something as a friend? Yeah, you've got to do what's right, not, not, not necessarily popular. Yeah. Let's have a listen to this next example. We moved out into our first rental. We were both on the lease but decided we would pay it 50-50 and then send it directly to the real estate. About three months before the breakup, he stopped paying rent. And so when I went to break the lease, the real estate let me know that we owed money and then also a break lease fee. My ex's response to this was, well, if you're the one who wants to end this relationship, then you can pay the fee. The real estate chased me for the money and he changed his number. So they hounded me until I paid it. And so I just paid it to put an end to it all. And then the bills. We said we would split all bills down the middle 50-50, but he was always conveniently too busy to get accounts set up, and so I went ahead and put the Foxtel electricity and gas in my name. He occasionally, over the 12 months, paid some of the bill. How we didn't get cut off, I have no idea. When I did realise he said he would pay it and then never did, 
And so I was left to pay it once it had gotten to the collection stages. So, I mean, this one's just horrendous. I mean, they're both on the lease. He's just gone, oh, if you want to end it, piss off. Like, that's just ridiculous. And she's left carrying the bag. And I guess, like, she's still cleaning up that mess. You know what I mean? So... And look, this probably happens a lot more than than people realise. Look, she probably did have recourse to go to places like NCAT, QCAT, VCAT. um, Meerkat. (laughs) 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 She probably could have taken it further and gone about um, recouping some of those funds. Uh, Look, sometimes people, for the sake of their own sanity, just go, look, I'll just pay it, work my way through. She was very young and could recover. Dad was obviously, you know, helpful and it was probably the best way to just end it and not have contact with that person anymore but look that can happen in friendships as well where people move into leases and it all goes a bit bit south so it's it's a tricky one yeah you mentioned something before amanda about having that stock take of communication so uh, uh, where are we at in regards to this do we need to improve on anything do we need to be more transparent on a regular basis like like any part of your life you've you've got to keep addressing um and seeing where you're at with it right absolutely And look, probably they're conversations you may have never had before. So addressing them can be a bit confronting to start with. But, you know, know, if it starts with, I was listening to this podcast the other day, why don't we have a listen to it together? You know, is there anything out of that you think we should take on board, discuss? What do you think about the finances? Yeah, that's amazing. And if you are listening to this and you're this far into the episode, you clearly bored or intrigued at least (laughs) if you're gonna gonna share railroad your partner into listening (laughs) yeah but i mean but if you're let's get the message out there let's if you're gonna share one episode well it's it's what's good for the geese is good for the gander right i mean let's Mm. get this message out there let's you know i guess my goal for doing this episode is one to highlight it on a public stage but two there could be a a young lady or a young man, you know, listening in their home, their partner's fallen asleep and they're listening to a podcast and I just want to plant this episode in their mind to slowly have them thinking about the three or four times in the recent year where they're thinking, oh, that doesn't feel, oh, no, they know best or whatever. Yep. I my I guess hope and prayer for this episode is if someone is trapped in financial abuse within, if it takes three, six, 12 months to get out of that in 12 months time, I want you free. Yeah. What's like, what's a timeline, Amanda? Like I know it can, this is not easy and it's the same with, I guess, emotional abuse. It's, it's, there could be a tangled of webs. There could be kids involved. It's not easy, but let's start the process. Absolutely. And look, there is a uh, survival kit that someone has put on the internet for people who are wanting to leave these relationships. So it's very individual again, because if there's physical abuse and domestic violence involved, you know, only that person can make the decision about their safety or lack thereof. So things like, you know, if they decide to stay, you know, decide on a safe place to go if an argument occurs. The recommendation is avoid rooms with no exits or rooms with weapons. So that's that's an awful decision to have to make. Plan and practice how to get out safely. What what are your 
Wadi routes in and out. Identify people and places that could help you. Uh, that could be the police, the local school, domestic violence shelters. You may never have looked up any of these things before. You know, is it neighbours, a church, a hospital? Where, where can you go? And if you do have children, teach them what to do if you are harmed or in danger. What can the kids do to help? Hopefully, you know, they, they mostly know how to use a cell phone and can make a call. What are the important numbers that they need to call? Maybe you can have a secret code in your family that if you say a particular word that they know um, this is a situation that they have to help with. Start protecting online information and email accounts because if, you know, your browser history is being exposed, people research you're doing on how to get out, um, how do you hide those searches, programming your phone with emergency numbers. You can even, you know, co-opt a neighbour or friend. Look, if you hear fighting, please call the police on our behalf. So, look... You know, the survival kits then, you know, do you have like a go bag if you need one? So it could be things like birth certificates, ID, passports, recent pictures of not just your family but also the person perpetrating the abuse. You may need things like your Centrelink numbers, vaccination records of your children, keys for the house and car, you know, if you have a spare, medical records. You might even need more important things like prescriptions, bank records, tax returns, driver's licences. So your go bag should be quite comprehensive. And look, other people just get out with the skin of their teeth and the clothes on their back and have to start over. But the more prepared you can be, especially if this is something that you're looking at, look, I can't get out of this today. And But the other girlfriend who stashed the $20 a week grocery card at a girlfriend's house so that when she mm. left, there was money available to her. So, yeah. look, it's an awful thing to think about. Yeah, I would say if you are in a situation and it's quite apparent that you're now woke and that you are being financially abused or emotionally abused, have the discussion with your friends. Don't do the escape alone. Yeah. Is that, I don't know, like, because isolation, it just, it's so bad for people. But look, some people would have to do exactly. it on their own. But if, um, if there is a situation where you can do it with someone else, even for support, is there a yeah. website or an emergency line that someone can call if they are... Yeah, there are definitely um, some state-based services. And, look, I'm happy to put those in the notes for the uh, this podcast, yeah, if you like. I yeah, can we get might those, do that. those contacts for shelters and that to, to um, do. And, look, there's some really high-profile cases as well of financial abuse. I was, I was lucky enough to head to London recently and saw the new Tina, the musical, all about Tina Turner's life and the financial abuse, not only domestic violence that was inflicted on her by Ike, was stand out you know she was headlining in vegas hadn't paid the rent for five months couldn't pay her dances because he held every single cent in their relationship so um, her true financial success only occurred when she finally divorced him and the new australian manager roger davis sort of reinvented her in the 80s so and launched her new solo career so there's other people uh stan lee from you know marvel fame um, mm. his former manager was arrested on charges of financial elder abuse against him, bilked him out of hundreds of thousands of dollars, moved him out of his home. So it's not just, you know, some poor downtrodden woman that, you know, with a sob story that this happens to. Financial mm. abuse can happen to anybody. And look, savvy, young, high-earning, smart women are a brilliant target. Yeah. So, you mm. know, but it can happen to anyone. 
And I'll, I'll just um, sort of backtracking a bit, but thinking about I, I grew up on a farm. Everyone around us were farmers. The wife was basically kept a kept woman because the farmer did all the work and the the, the wife prepared the Kept meals the home and fires burning yep yeah that's right and and that was so prevalent through my growing up um, there would have been umpteen dozens of financial abuse cases even though the term probably wasn't around then but uh, that the woman probably just put up with it for the sake of um, sticking around and being loyal absolutely and probably still does like yeah. the 80 year old couple you know when she's <laughs> discovers a whole other family's been going on for 20 years so yeah you know and it yeah. was very you know the 1950s housewife persona the stepford wife you know that was the norm the wife would keep the home fires burning she would raise yeah. the children you know our society doesn't quite work that way anymore you know if you've got your double income so but look there are families where that's still the goal that you know, the wife can take time off and, and be with Bubby and, you know, that you don't get those first years back. It's vitally important and the more time you spend, you know, most women are just stoked to spend that time nurturing. And, look, there's more guys taking on that role as well now, which is really lovely. But, again, it's the communication and working out how are we going to manage this? You know, is my super going to go down? Can I look at, honey, would you do super splitting with me while I'm taking these years of maternity leave off so I'm I'm not as disadvantaged? You know, there's there's so many options that you can discuss to try and even the score. Mm, far out. Maybe I will stay single. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's easier, Glenn. <laughs> Can't deal. I want to get taken for a ride. <laughs> well, in in, uh, in in Sydney and Melbourne, there shouldn't be any financial abuse because both parties have got to work. <laughs> yeah. To pay for the, the $2 billion home at Kellyville. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hey, Amanda, that's been a fantastic discussion. Do you, you. Do you help women or men who have come out of relationships, like if they need an advisor or anything like that? Yeah, for those who need a financial advisor, um, yes, absolutely help those. Most probably to start with need a financial counsellor, which is a completely sure. different role. Um, so yeah. it depends on your financial situation. So look, some come out of a divorce, get a lovely payout and go, I don't know what to do with this. I've never, never managed money in my life. If you're starting from scratch with zero and don't know where to go to get a job, a financial counsellor is probably a better option. So, yeah. and those services, you know, are available. Again, we can include those in the notes for the show. Um, yep. But yeah, it's they're two quite different things, and depending on your needs, is is what you'd go see. That's great, Amanda. It's been great, and mm. yeah, I just really want to encourage anyone just to start thinking over the last couple of months. If you think something's a bit sus, maybe good friend or family member go hey does this seem weird to you i don't you know you're not pressing the breaking the glass and the sprinklers aren't coming on but it's just more of a, a just like just run it by you. a bit of smoke in the distance yeah. or am i crazy like you know what i yeah. mean so well thank you so much amanda and thank we'll, you for having uh, me see you next thank time. you amanda see you later bye So I want to swing around and do a community highlight and a shout out to Cara in Victoria. So Cara is a member 
of My Millennial Money Private, which is our private membership. And if you are after some third-party accountability, if you want to keep more engaged with your money and just keep encouraged, yep. one thing you can join My Millennial Money Private. There's the links on the Instagram bio. You can click that. Now, she's saving for a house. She's got an $80,000 target. And already got $36,000 saved. So, she's 45% of the way there. So, good on you, Cara. And Joe from South Australia, he's just started his house deposit and he's got a goal of $20,000. Yeah, Joe. So, it's a great community. John and I do a monthly webinar. So, we hang out with the private community, answer any questions, keep you encouraged. It's all about encouragement. Any events that we do, there's uh, discounts, there's discounts to our online resources. Yep. I put up stuff in the group that, you know, any feedback on anything we're doing at the show, it's just... Yeah, they've got a bit of control and say, haven't they? Yeah, if you want to just turn it up a notch and get more involved and, you know, it's under $400 a year. Yeah, tax deductible. I don't think so, actually. (laughs) Um, Check with your accountant. I thought it might have been, but check with your accountant. Uh, But if you wanted to... Like the people might go $400 a year. I think the fact that you've got some third-party accountability, can't even speak, log in to the group and update your details every month, you'll probably have more than $400 saved anyway. Yeah. So, it'll actually like pay for itself. telling someone your goal, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, you're basically an M3 addict. Yeah. And you want accountability. So, thanks for listening today, guys. It's been great. We will talk with you soon. Okay, this week, the M3 Community Member of the Week is Eve Lazic. She's from Newcastle, just up the road from me. She's an assessor in aged care and she's a youth worker. So, that's fun. Really um, passionate and kind person, I would imagine. Shout out, Eve. And I do need to get you on the Gen Z Money podcast. I have not forgotten. Her financial goal is to build a share portfolio. So, that's an amazing goal. Good on you. She's achieving this goal by changing her habits and lifestyle. And the silliest mistake she's made is spending $300 on skincare product. There you have it. Thank you so much for listening, Eve. And we will talk soon. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, Head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more about Sun Super at sunsuper.com.au forward slash choose. You can join SunSuper online in under five minutes. My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organisation that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au. Thanks to Jess Knaus, executive producer, Chris Burke, sound engineer, Laura from La La Social Club, and me, Asher. Uh, anyway, make sure you stay connected via our Instagram, our free Facebook group, or if you want to turn it up a notch and be on the inside of the show, become a member of M3 Private. For further information about what's going on, check out the links in the show notes.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.